Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 91 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today on this lovely Friday, which will not be the final episode of this week, is Brian Lockhart of the Marvel Events Timeline and a whole bunch of other shows. Welcome back, Brian. Hey, thanks for having me back again. Well, we, we had some stuff to talk about, you know, uh, about different types of, of hairstylists and, you know, hair designers. You know, so the, I figured, the, figured you'd have you back. What, we'll talk about more yeah, exactly. strange things. This is what you think of when you think of planes, trains, and automobiles as hairstylists. Especially for Steve Martin. Yes. You know? <laughs> well, at least has unique hair. Yeah. He does. He does. He, he specifically needed someone on set to make sure that his hair is designed properly. So, uh, you know, it's just a, a quick shout out to uh, Tony Ann Walker for the great job that, that she did keeping his hair in uh, properly p- placed throughout the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Minute 91 begins with the credit for John Candy's makeup and ends with the credits of Layla Robbins actually getting cut in half. So today we have another minute of credits. So as as we had yesterday, our credits actually begin only at the 11 second mark because we already discussed the, the first 10 seconds beforehand and well, yesterday. And the first one we get here is John Candy's makeup designed by, once again, another design by. I don't get it. <laughs> there, there must have been some sort of. I would say, would you, could it be possibly others or other movies at this time, like a union rule and they're, that's what they're using or it's, it's just some... possible. I, yeah, I didn't notice it... it, but it's possible. I, I didn't go that deep into it, but for instance, yeah. when I looked up the, the, you know, the 12 credits that, that Tony Ann did with Steve Martin on his other movies, it didn't say designed, you know? So I don't know. Could be. It's maybe I don't know. Maybe they're just trying to distinguish them differently. You know, I I, I don't know. Because right. just... I mean, the next credit after John Candy's makeup design is the hairstylist. So you know, Steve Martin had his own hairstylist, or sorry, his own hair designer, and everyone else has to share one hairstylist. <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, it's good to be the it's good to be the king. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And then it, Steve Martin has another uh, person credited to him. So you have Steve Martin's customer, who is a a man named Dennis Schunderward, which is spelled in a very strange way. I, I'm assuming it's a real person, but normally if I would see this type of spelling, I would think that it was completely made up. Because the, the last name is, I'm going to spell it out, S-C-H-O-O-N-D-E-R-W-O-E-R-D. So it, it's a little strange, but what's what's even fa- more fascinating about this particular person is that he has 20 credits in IMDb, and every one of these 20 credits is a Steve Martin movie. Oh, wow. Okay, so he is basically Steve Martin's tailor. <laughs> Steve Martin said, I'm bringing this guy to every one of my movies. I have 20 movies that I'm going to be doing. He's going to be my costumer or tailor or whatever you want to call it at the time. I mean, some people are very loyal to the people they work with or yes. work or work for them. So, it, you know, it's a two way street. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And then we, we get another few credits before it starts breaking things down. We have the New York crew, which we, there are seven people that, that were on the, the production crew of New York. And then we have the Chicago crew, which we have 11 people on that one. And then right after that, we have the second unit, which has another seven people. So, you know, we have, we have a total of, of, of 25 people that are, that are listed right there which is pretty interesting. Now, now clearly when they say Chicago and New York, they're thinking of New York City and Chicago, but I had actually seen on IMDb, and this is probably all second unit stuff possibly, or maybe not actually, that that some of this film was filmed in uh, Batavia, New York, which yes. is one mm-hmm. one county over from where I grew up. Oh, wow. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, it's halfway between Buffalo and Rochester, and I'm from it Rochester. Means, it so means you like, were there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. Essentially, I was in in nineteen in March nineteen eighty seven when they were filming this. You were there. You you were Easily, just, yes. you were just ten, but you were there. <laughs> right, I was off screen, or yes. or maybe I was on screen. Well, who knows? I should have looked for myself again. I should go back and watch it now. <laughs> there you go. That's true. I'm that kid. But, I'm that but, if, but kid if you in the look, car. but I I think the answer to your question is is that this it's the second unit that dealt with that because the second unit has a first assistant photographer and a second assistant photographer. And the Chicago crew has the same thing, you know, and you have the, the second unit director and the first assistant director, and these are all mentioned in with the Chicago crew also. So my assumption is, is that the, 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 the little towns that they went to that they filmed in, you know, that, that was the second unit. They had these seven guys yeah. or uh, are they all men? Yes. Seven. Yeah. There's no, it's eight men in the second unit. Wow. Okay, the second unit has eight, eight, eight men. I miscounted. What do you know? Ah, it was it was seven credits, but eight men. That's what it comes down to. I was talking about the the number of credits, not the people. The the you know the job credits that they mentioned. And then after that, we get the copyright, which is very strange that we're getting the copyright too early because usually you'd think in a movie that the copyright would come all the way at the very end. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And the copyright is, you know, Paramount Pictures Corporation, all rights reserved. And then we have the the Roman numerals. Okay, are, have you have you been good at? Are you are you someone who knows Roman numerals, or not really? Only as they apply to Rocky movies. Okay, so they didn't make this many Rocky movies, so you're, you're not going to get there. <laughs> so basically, we have MCM LXXX VII. Which is 1987. So it, it actually made me curious. I mean, I've seen thousands, if not tens of thousands of movies in my life. And it, I never thought about the fact as to why they would be using Roman numerals. You know, for me, it was it's just, okay, they've always had them. You know, I never thought about the reason. Do you, do you have any inkling as to why they use Roman numerals to mention the dates in movies? And TV shows and things like that. No, I mean, I, like you said, it's always been there, but I've never really questioned why they do it, and until you know, until you bring it, brought it up just now. Right. So no, I have no idea why they do it. Okay, so I, I did a little bit of research on this to try and find the the the, the question. I, I don't have a definitive answer, but I have a number of reasons of why it could be. So I found I think four. Okay, one of them is it's known as deception theory. Okay, that it makes it tougher for the viewer to figure out the age of the movie or the TV show because a lot of people will look at it and say, Oh, this is too old. I don't want to watch it. 
I, I, okay. I don't know if I really buy that, but it could be. Yeah. That could be the reason. The second reason is is why why change theory, which basically goes to what you and I both said. Well, it's always been that way. So I guess you keep doing it. Someone someone started that, I guess, in the 1920s or 30s, and they just continue with it. A third reason is the fade-away theory. Okay, that the, the way that they film movies and TV shows, uh, they did them on film, and there's the idea of deterioration. And sometimes when film deteriorates, it can be harder to tell what number is actually being written because a six can look like a five and an eight can look like a three. And if you use Roman numerals, you won't have that, that problem. Right. Hmm. And then the fourth reason that I found is because of various languages, you know, the people who are watching, uh, who are particularly watching this, they, if you're using the normal number system, it, it's harder to distinguish things when it's in fine print. So it's easier to use Roman numerals in order for the, that the copyright date can always be readable. If I had to guess, my, my, my initial thought was the language, because that's kind of like universal at this point. Um, and then I, I would think as a follow-up, it probably started that way. And then number two is just, it's, that's what we've always done. So we just keep doing it. Yeah. I, I would agree with you on that. I, I think it, it started that, you know, that, but again, if you say language, so in like, I don't know, I think, don't think in China, they're going to know regular numbers or Roman numerals. So, you know, is that really, could that be an answer? I mean, I think you're right. I, I believe that that's the reason that at the beginning they said, let's do it this way. And ever since we've just said, all right, that's the way it is. We're going to keep it that way. Yeah, that, that's my know. that's my guess. Yeah. You know, they all make sense in their own way. But I mm -hmm. think that's the, the most logical. Is yeah. just, just the way we somebody did it and we just keep doing it. Yeah, it's the way it, it, it goes with the, you know, there's, there's an old joke that I remember hearing with, where uh, a little girl is watching her mother make a roast and the mother cuts off two sides of the roast and puts it in the pan before she makes it. And she goes, mom, why do you do that? And she says, I don't know, go ask grandma. Uh, grandma always did it. So then she goes and she asks grandma and, and grandma says, I don't know. I've always done it because that's the way my mother did it. Go ask great grandma. So she goes and asks great grandma and she says, why do you cut the sides off of the roast before you put them in the pan? She said, well, back in the day when I used to make it, I didn't have a big enough pan. So I would cut off the sides of the, the roast so that it would fit in the pan. You know, <laughs> certain things that you just do because that's the way everyone else did things. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knows? And then the credits continue and we get the, the 17 song credits of this movie. We've discussed just about every one of these songs along the way, but uh, I'll just quickly say the names of all of them. We have uh, Banana Banana Boom. Back in Baby's Arms, Blue Moon of Kentucky, Continental Trailway Blues, Every Time You Go Away, Lost Again, I'll Show You Something Special, Mess Around, Meet the Flintstones, <laughs> Madagliana, Lost in Your Eyes, Power to Believe, Red River Rock, Six Days on the Road, Three Coins in the Fountain, I Can Take Anything, Wheels, and Gonna Move. Those are the 17 songs referred to throughout the course of this movie. And then we have, as the this minute closes, we have a quick 
special thanks. There are 10 different special thanks credits here. And I found them to be a little bit interesting also. You have the California Film Commission, the California Highway Patrol, the California Department of Transportation. Those are the three from California. So I, I guess that means that there were parts that, of this movie that were filmed in California, and they probably had to close off some of the roads. Yeah. And therefore, they needed the Highway Patrol and the Department of Transportation. So they had to give them their, their thanks for that. And then we get four credits that are related to Chicago. You have the Illinois Film Office, the Chicago Office of Film, the Illinois State Police, and the Chicago Transit Authority. Again, it's because they're on the road. They're going to need to do that. Then we have one credit for Missouri, for the Missouri Film Commission, <laughs> which, again, you know, part, we know parts of the movie was filmed in St. Louis because you do have shots of the, the airport in St. Louis. And then the final two were really what floored me. They're both from New York. You have the New York State Governor's Office for Motion Picture and TV Development and the New York City Mayor's Office for Film and TV. Well, it just shocked me that that both the Governor's Office and the Mayor's Office in New York have people that they're in charge of dealing with movies and TV. You know, it's not something that you would normally think that it would be a political position. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, they want credit for bringing, uh, you know, bringing films into New York city there. So <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, even though they need, to, it, maybe it's that you need someone to, you know, that you need to pay off in order to be able to, to film that. I don't know. <laughs> right. Going back to your good fellas, uh, you know, remark from yesterday, even though that was New Jersey, right. but New Jersey, New York, it's all the same. Right. And then we get, it starts with the cast of characters. So we get to see Neil Page, Steve Martin, Doug Griffith, John Candy. And then we see Susan Page, Layla Robbins, and it's actually cut off because the way that the minute stops is it completely cuts that, uh, cuts cuts her her name in half as it's going through. So I found that to be pretty interesting. And that's all we have for this minute. Every Friday, we do a segment called Weekend Candy, where my guest will tell their top five John Candy roles. So, Brian, what are your five favorite John Candy roles? Start from the bottom and work your way up. All right, top five John Candy movies. Of course, like I did with Steve Martin, had a, I have to throw an honorable mention in there. I got to honorably mention uh, John Candy's work on SCTV, just like Saturday Night Live. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, obviously, he was a regular cast member, not like a reoccurring guest, but SCTV stuff is great. John Candy's amazing in that. Um, but as far as, uh, you know, the movies, I will go with uh, number five being National Lampoon's like, Vacation. Another small role, uh, kind of like with Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors, but it, it, he just stands out so much in it. I really like seeing him there. Uh, for me, number four is Stripes. Again, he's not the main star. But he's a memorable member of the cast as Ox, and he's got some of the best lines. And then I, you know, for me, I like number three. I, I threw in Delirious, uh, the one where he is a soap writer. It's just one that showed up on HBO a lot, so I really enjoyed it. Um, another one that was another staple for for HBO, and and one that I think is super funny, and is really shows John Candy's talent as far as all the characters. 
And that's my number two, which is who's Harry Crumb. Definitely think that that's a, a funny one. I guess my favorite of his, my number one, although there's, I mean, there's far too many of John Candy's to, for me to choose from, but I really like the great outdoors. Uh, it's just, I have a good time watching that movie every time. So, um, that'll be my number one, but there's, there's far too many John Candy movies and characters that he's done that I had to leave off the list just to get to these five. Oh, wow. That was great. Thank you very much. And another segment that we do every day is off the beaten track where either myself or my guest will give a little story or adventure, misadventure or something that happened to us along the journey of life. So Brian, why don't you tell us another one of your stories? Okay. So my off the beaten path story for this episode, again, is another one that I try to make it, you know, somehow related to something that happened in the movie, planes, trains, and automobiles. You know, one time was coming back from Jacksonville, North Carolina. It was uh, after boot camp. We did something called uh, Marine Combat Training. So it's about a month he spent in Jacksonville just doing, you know, all sorts of, you know, combat training for pogues. So that's what I did. And my girlfriend and her, one of her friends came to pick me up. You know, she brought her dog with her and, and they, they picked me up. And a little side note is before I knew she was coming to get me, one of the guys had suggested... Uh, a bunch of us rent a U-Haul and I'll stay in, the, in like one, one or two people drive up front, obviously. And then everybody else get in the back and we'll just like make our way up the East coast and drop people off as we got there. And we'd split the cost that reminded me of, you know, Dell and, and, um, Neil in the, uh, back of the, you know, the, the freezer truck. <laughs> but I decided not to do that. I actually believe these guys did go ahead and do that, which is, you know, it is what it is. So, no, I got picked up, and trip went without event. Uh, the only thing is I did take a wrong turn at one point. We were trying to avoid toll roads. Somewhere in Pennsylvania, I took the wrong road that took us up to the thruway. So instead of going straight up to Rochester, where I'm from, we ended up going to Syracuse. So although it was a little out of our way, we ended up taking the safer routes instead of going through these, like, uh, one or two-lane roads that go through the mountains. We took, like, a highway. Now we're on the thruway. And I think we had just stopped for like a bathroom break and got some food and drink. And I'm now driving. Of course, I didn't set this up. This is winter time. So, you know, we're all bundled up. I guess there was ice on the road that I wasn't really paying a lot of attention to. So, you know, I'm, I'm driving. I pull out. And I don't know at what point and at what possessed me, but I start messing with my wallet. I think I'm trying to put my wallet in the back of my pocket while driving and I guess I start drifting over into the left lane, not really paying attention. <laughs> so I get warned, hey, you know, you're drifting. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. And instead of just calmly moving back to the right, my dumbass kind of jerks the wheel. And that's when we, you know, that's when I realized it was kind of icy out. So at some point, you know, I overcorrect. I overcorrect again. We're now, you know, almost fishtailing. And then we start spinning around. And we spin around until we end up going backwards into a ditch with snow. And the snow just completely went flying over the car and, you know, and covering the, the windshield. Meanwhile, uh, the dog is flying, you know, loose in the car. Didn't get hurt, but the dog is flying all over the backseat. Drinks are now all over everybody. <laughs> We're completely, you know, completely soaked. And, you know, so my, my friend is going, hey, just get us out of this ditch. Just get us out of this ditch. So I gun it. And I start to get us, and I get us out of the ditch. And just as I'm pulling up, like a, a 
car is coming right at us, so I have to let off the gas, and it just, and we go back into the ditch, and she's like, get my car out of the ditch now, <laughs> and so I got it again, luckily nobody was coming this time, back on the road, we're like, oh, everybody okay, you know, we pull over, everybody fine, yep, we're all fine, we're all good, how's the car, seems fine at the moment, didn't notice any damage, let's just go home, because we're only maybe at that point an hour away from home. Luckily, the trip went on without a hitch after that. Oh, wow. That was a great story. Thank you very much for that. So you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you? Well, Rob, thanks again for having me on again. Um, You know, I can be found at basically two active podcasts going on right now. I have Hamilton Shot by Shot, uh, what I'm doing with my daughter while we're going through the the musical Hamilton one song at a time. Uh, That can be at uh, Hamilton underscore SBS on Twitter. And then there is uh, Marvel Events Timeline, which I'm doing with Travis Bow, where we are going through Marvel uh, starting in 1939 and working our way forward through all the major events of Marvel. And that can be found at Marvel Events Timeline Pod, or I believe is the Instagram. Just Google it. And then, of course, then there's Marine Corps Movie Minute, uh, which is my go into Movies by Minutes. I did about Marine movies, and we have completed uh, Heartbreak Ridge the Clint Eastwood classic. And at some point we will be back with, um, I've been promising Full Metal Jacket for a while now and has not materialized, but at some point Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast will return. All right. And while you're doing that, you can rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. And finding me is quite easy. All you do is a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go to my website. So everyone, remember, come back tomorrow. And also come back on Sunday. We're going to have two more episodes, the final two episodes of this show. So until tomorrow, you're fine. You're fine.